Good morning. Let's try that again. Good morning. Happy Sabbath. I hope that you are doing well today. Can we bow our heads? Let us pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your guidance in our lives. We pray that as we study your word, you will come to us. Bless us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When our second daughter was about to be born, um, about 24 hours before, we were walking in the mall, Daily and me, we were walking in the mall, and she was holding onto my arm, and suddenly she sort of froze, and I, oh, what's happening? She froze, and oh, what's wrong? Oh, what's happening? <laughs> she was having the first construction. Contract, how do you say that? Contraction. Um, on the dot, 24 hours before Sarah was born. And then faster and more often and more often and more often until, well, oven was open, bread came out. And uh, I remember seeing that little thing. Man, how something so small can be so ugly. <laughs> Anytime that somebody sees a newborn and they say, oh, how beautiful. Please don't be such a liar. <laughs> they are all ugly, man. They're being squashed and they're like, Ugh, and red. and They are ugly. But they are perfect. They are so tiny and beautiful and they are perfect. They are small, but they are perfect. They are perfect in their potential. In that what, what they can become, they don't speak, they don't move, they don't communicate while well, they move. Um, they don't communicate, they don't interact. They are perfect. Today I want to talk to you about baptism and what the Bible says about baptism. And many people have this wrong idea that somehow baptism is the culmination of your Christian walk. And when you feel that you are sort of good enough to face God, then you are baptized because this is like graduation day. We just uh, witnessed the graduation for our, for our adventure classes. So you earned your pings, you attended your lectures, and uh, you have mastered all that you need to master. You change everything that you needed to change, and so you're ready to graduate, and you come before the Lord, Lord, I'm ready, I'm good enough. Well, just before we start going into the Bible, I want to tell you that it's not the way the Bible presents baptism. Baptism is not a graduation. In the language of the Bible, baptism is a birth, a new birth. And when somebody is born, they are perfect, yes, but they are perfect in their potential. They cannot speak, they cannot walk, they cannot take care of themselves, they cannot do anything, but they are born. They are born to a new life and they are born to a new experience. So I want you to keep that in mind as we begin to talk about what the Bible says about baptism. As usual, we want to see some questions and we want to see what the Bible says about those questions. I hope that everybody who needed a guide has the guide in their hands. If you have not, put your hand up. Somebody's going to come and give that to you. The first question, is baptism really 
essential. And the answer, we're going to look for it in what was our Bible reading, Mark chapter 16 and verse 16. And the Bible says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Now, I want you to notice two things. The first thing is that it says that whoever believes and is baptized, he will be saved. So when you believe, what is the natural step? Are you awake? Are you alive? <laughs> According to the Bible, what's the natural step? After you believe, the next desire that is going to pop in your heart is going to be baptism. But that does not mean that baptism is some sort of magic potion, magic event that automatically gives you salvation. Because when you look at the next line, it says, whoever does not believe, what happens? Now, did you notice that it doesn't say anything about baptism? Is that strange for you? Well, actually, it shouldn't be. Because if you don't believe, what happens? Well, obviously, no baptism. So the act of salvation is something that happens in response to your belief, in response to your accepting what the Lord has done for you. Once you realize what Jesus did, once you realize the offer that is given to you, you want to take it. And as you take it, you are baptized, you are saved. But if you do not believe, then there is no desire in your heart. You don't take the offer. Then the Bible says... That person is condemned. The second question that we want to look at today is, but the thief on the cross, how about him? He was not baptized. And Jesus told him, I am telling you today, you are going to be with me on paradise. How about him? How come that if you believe and you're baptized, then you will be saved? But this guy, he believed. He was not baptized. But Jesus says, you will be saved. So how is that? Let's have a look at this text. It's James chapter 4 and verse 17. It says, if anyone then knows what is good, knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. If you know that there is something that you are supposed to do and you have the chance to do it and you don't do it, that is a sin for you. I can assure you, if the thief on the cross if he had a chance to come down from that cross, what do you think would have happened? He would have expressed his desire to follow Christ. He would have baptized. He would have been in the, in the congregation of the believers. He would have take, taken part in all those things, but he didn't have the chance. So, yes, God knows that we are dust. God knows that we are limited. God knows that sometimes things are not possible. And some people have realized and they have accepted the love of Christ right on their dead breath. And I believe that in accordance to God's promise, they will be saved. They didn't have the chance to take all the steps that normally people take. But if you know what is right, and if you have the opportunity to do what is right, and you reject God's call to do what is right, then the Bible says, you are sinning. Because when God calls and you say no, that's sin. 
Rebellion against God. God is telling you to do something. God is pushing you to go in this way because he knows this is your way, the good way that will bring you blessings and happiness. And you say no, then that is the very definition of sin, rebellion. There are many ordinances that people call baptism. Isn't any one of these ordinances acceptable? Provided that a person is sincere, they have faith. Like some people baptize with salt. You know, a pinch of salt, sprinkle on the person, good, you're baptized. Some people put some oil on the forehead. Some people pour some water on the head. Some people say a prayer, you are not baptized. Some people put a Bible on the head, you are not baptized. Now, what does the Bible say about the form of baptism? Because, yes, we believe that the important thing is what God has done in the heart, but there are symbols in the Bible. And the symbols in themselves, they have a meaning and they have a purpose. So what does the Bible say about the form of baptism? I skipped a text there, but um, if you go to your Bible in Matthew chapter 4 and verses, hmm, I'm not going to give you a verse because I'm not going to give you the right one. But if you read in Matthew chapter 3 and chapter 4, that's chapter 3 actually, that's the story of Jesus being baptized. And it says that he went to the water and John put him into the water. And then Jesus, as he comes up out of the water, the Holy Spirit lands on him. Now, that can only happen if the person is actually baptized. Because you know what baptism means? What the word to baptize means? It means to dip. It's a word that uh, people who dye clothes used to, used to use. That was the word describing when they put the clothes in the dye. And they would leave it there and then bring the cloth up and it's a new color. That's what baptism means, literally. To dip. So you dip something and you bring it up, and that's what happened with the Lord Jesus. He was put in the water, and as he was coming out of the water, then the Spirit comes and lands on him. How was Jesus baptized? This is the text that we want to read, but I am reading now from the story in Mark, in chapter 1, verses 9 to 10. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being opened and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. But, okay, maybe Jesus was baptized that way, but didn't the church change the way people are supposed to be baptized? Let's have a look at what the early Christians did. If you turn in your Bible to the book of Acts, chapter 8, there is a story about a eunuch. And this guy, he was an officer of the Queen of Candace. And uh, he was a very important man. He was coming from Passover, and he was reading on his chariot. You remember the story, right? He's reading from the book of Isaiah. And he tells Philip, the spirit leads Philip to the chariot. The Phil- <coughs> Sorry, the spirit tells Philip to come near, and he hears that this man is reading, and he's reading from the prophecies about that suffering servant that would come, and he would be lashed for the sins of God's people. He will be taken like a sheep to the slaughter, 
And suddenly he turns to Philip and he says, man, is the prophet talking about him or talking about somebody else? Philip goes to the chariot, he explains to him, and then he believes in Jesus as Savior, and this is the rest of the story. He gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly takes Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Does it look familiar? It's like almost the same story with Jesus. They go into the water, they go out of the water, and as they go out of the water, the Spirit becomes manifested. That's what happens according to the Bible. So it is the same procedure. Nothing has changed in what the Scripture is teaching us. Now, since Jesus and the disciples baptized by immersion, well, who introduced these other so-called baptisms that exist today? Well, like everything, people have been creative, if we can use that word, many times because of necessity. You remember that down in history, the Christian faith at one point became the faith of a state. And when the Christian faith became the, the faith of the Roman Empire, things began to change. And sometimes they change because of, well, people wanted to give God a hand, make things easier. Like, do you remember when Abraham wanted to give God a hand? How did things turn out? Not so well, right? And so people were thinking, well, how, how can we do? Like, we have these 3,000 people, and they are pagans, but now they are becoming Christians. How do we do? Well, it would be a lot easier just to go with a big bucket of water and just splash people and say a prayer, and that's it. They've become Christians. So little by little, things began. Thank you. Little by little, things began to change, but that is not the teaching that we actually find in the Bible. And Jesus many times confronted people during his time who were changing the instructions that God gave. And this is what he says about people like that. Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 and 9, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Again, please remember that text that we read from James. It says the one who knows what is good and he does not do it, it's a sin for him. But sometimes we don't know. Sometimes we are just in ignorance. And uh, while we are in ignorance, there is a scripture that says that God has been patient with us during the times of our ignorance. But now as the light has come, he has called all people to repentance and to believe in his son. So as you begin to see things in the scripture, and as you begin to see light, as you begin to have clarity, and as you begin to realize, hey, wait a second. Yeah, even, even I myself, my, my parents, they baptized me when I was little. But maybe, well, that was their faith and that's what they thought it was the right thing. But now I'm seeing that in the Bible, this is not what it was supposed to be. 
And as you realize things and as the Spirit of God speaks to your heart, then you need to go the way that God is telling you to go. We don't need to follow people. The apostle said many times, it is necessary to obey God rather than man. Because at the last day, when we stand before the throne of God, the Lord is not going to ask us, what did your pastor say? The Lord is not going to ask us, what did your priest say? The Lord is not going to ask you, what did your parents believe? He is going to ask you, what did I tell you in your heart and what did you do about it? Did you respond to my call? Did you respond to my invitation? It was me talking to you. What did you do with that? The next question we want to talk about is, what must a person do to prepare for baptism? This is a good one. Um, many of you know that I ministered in Japan for a few years. I was in Japan for almost five years. And the, the normal time for a Japanese person, from the moment he hears about Christ, and the moment that he takes a step of baptism, can you guess? One year, two years, three years, four years, five years, six years, seven years, nine years, ten years, eleven years, twenty years, fifteen, twenty. Can you pick a number? Three. Okay, we have a three here. Any other opinions? Two? Somebody said nine, eight? Twenty? One week? Well, you know, most people in Japan take usually ten years. To take the step of baptism. Yeah. It is that long. But now you need to understand where many of them are coming from. The, the Japanese, by culture, they don't believe in God. So just the idea that there is somebody who is powerful enough to create everything... And then to believe that somebody is somebody, not something, but somebody. And then to believe that that somebody loves them. And then to believe that that somebody became flesh. And then to believe that that somebody lived among us, showed us his love, died for us, rose back again, and is coming. That's a lot to take in. And it takes time. But after a Japanese takes a step of faith, usually no turning back. Because that's also part of their culture. That's why they took so long to decide. Because once they took the step, that's it. I'm a Christian. And I'm, I'm going to be a Christian until the time the Lord comes or I die. Now, that's the case of the Japanese. But what do we see in Scripture? What you will see in Scripture is that usually people took a very quick step to follow Christ. Let's read a couple of examples. The first one is in Mark chapter um, 16 and verse 16. This is the call. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And then Peter says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, Peter replied, oops. The other is there. Okay. Let's switch to the other screen. Um, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I did not show you the text, but if you continue reading the story, it says that that same day, about 3,000 people were baptized and were added 
into the church. Now remember, these are the people who saw Jesus. They witnessed many of his miracles. Maybe they were there when they were part of the crowd shouting, crucify him, crucify him. So when Peter gives the message and the Holy Spirit cuts their heart, they ask, what do we need to do? Peter says, you need to make a choice. And they make the choice and they are baptized on the spot. Um, there is another story of the jailer. This is in Acts chapter 16. I don't know what happened with my file. Uh, the texts are not in the order that I wanted them. But if you, look, if you look in your Bible, in the book of Acts in chapter 16, there is a story about Paul. He goes and he is preaching, and he is accused and he is put in jail. And they put him on this jail, and the jailers are told, keep this man on tight security. And Paul and Silas, they are beaten, and they are pushed to the back of the jail. And they begin to, you know the story? They began to curse? No. They began to call names? No. They began to complain? They began to sing. They began to praise because they were counted as worthy of suffering for the name of Christ. And as they are singing and as they are praying, suddenly a big earthquake happens. And you know, at those times, the Roman law is that if you have a prisoner and your prisoner escapes, a life for a life. So when the jailer feels the earthquake, when the jailer sees that the doors are open, he takes his sword and he's about to kill himself, but he hears a voice and this voice tells him, don't harm yourself. We are all here. I want you to look at the power of a changed life. At the power of a testimony. If Paul had not been there, if they had not been singing in the midst of their tribulation, and that earthquake came, and those doors were opened, what do you think was the first thing that all the inmates would do? That's it. We're gone. Whoo, we are free. But suddenly, somebody's listening at least. <laughs> but suddenly, the doors are opened, but nobody moves. They want to talk to this guy. How come you are beaten? How come you are jailed, yet you are happy? How come you have been put here in an unjust way? But you're not cursing, you're not complaining, you are not making a fuss, you are worshiping your God, you are giving thanks, I want to know what you have. I need that. And they stayed. And then the jailer also comes and he asks, man, what do I need to do to be like you guys? What do I need to have this peace that you have? And Paul told him at that time, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, not only you, but your whole household. The Bible says that at that moment of the night, the jailer took these men out, Paul and Silas. He took them to their home. They were supposed to be in jail, but now they are brothers in Christ. <laughs> he takes them out of the jail. He brings them to his home. He washes their wounds. He listens to the gospel, and immediately he... And his whole family 
are baptized in the middle of the night. Usually the stories that we find in the Bible of people coming to faith and of people taking baptism is very, very quickly. So what do you need in order to be baptized? You need to receive the gospel. Mark chapter 16, we read, the one who believes and is baptized, he will be saved. You don't need to be perfect to take the step of baptism because baptism is a beginning, it's not the end. Now, what is the meaning of baptism? We want to go to the book of Romans chapter 6, verses 4 to 6. Here the apostle explains for us what baptism is all about. He says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with for we should no longer be slaves to sin. Why is it such a big deal that baptism should be by immersion? Why is it such a big deal in the Bible that people need to go into the water and then up out of the water? This is why it's such a big deal. Because it's a symbol. It's a symbol of what? It's a symbol of death. But it's not only a symbol of death, it's a symbol of a new life. Because you see, when you go down into that water, by the promise and by the power of God, your old self is dead. Done away with. It's finished. You might not feel like it's finished. And that's a problem. Many times we live our faith according to our feelings. Do I feel saved? Do I feel forgiven? Do I feel accepted? But salvation is not an issue of faith. Salvation is an issue of God and his power. And we need to accept that once we have believed in God, and once we have taken the steps that God has told us to take, that is faith. And we claim it and we accept it. And whether I feel or not, I believe it. I felt it. When I was baptized, when I was around nine years old. And after baptism, I went back home. And I remember all that afternoon, I was sitting on the couch. With my legs folded up. I, I didn't want to touch the ground. And then suddenly my dad comes and, are you going to spend all the afternoon on that couch? Yeah, I don't want to move. Why? I don't want to sin. I am so clean right now. <laughs> I, it was amazing. I just felt something so powerful, so incredible, so beautiful. But some people don't feel that, and that's fine, because feelings are feelings. Feelings are not holy. Feelings are not sinful. Feelings are feelings. And sometimes God will allow you to feel great. You come out of that water and you feel, wow, amazing. But some of the people come out of that water and they feel wet. <laughs> but it's not about feeling. It's about knowing that there is a Savior. That he died for you. 
And when you went into that water, you gave him your life, your old life, full of mistakes, full of doubts, full of trouble. And when you come out of that water, then you are a new person, not because of what you feel, but because of what he has done for you. It's about faith. It's about believing. It's about accepting. So this is the teaching of God's scripture. Baptism is a symbol of death and then a symbol of a new life. That's why the water. That's why the going into the water, there is a burial participating symbolically in the death of Jesus for us. And as we come up of that water, we are participating symbolically in his resurrection for us. New life, new beginning, new chapter. Have you felt that you need a new beginning? Have you felt that there are things in your life that you need to leave behind? That's what baptism does for the person. Now, after baptism, we still fall. And sometimes we, we have mistakes. But that's why one of my favorite Bible uh, passages is in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1. I don't have it here on the screen for you, but you can look it up in your Bible. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1. He says, my dear children, I write these things to you so that you will not sin. But if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. He is Christ Jesus the Lord, and he died for the sins, not just of the Jewish people, not just of some people far away. He died for the sins of the whole world. There is another thing for Christians who have been baptized and who have had some mistake here and there, and that is communion. And that is why every time before we come to the table of the Lord, we participate in the ritual that we call the ritual of humility. And you have this water, and some brother or sister will wash your feet and will pray for you, and you will recommit to the Lord. That's also like a symbol of baptism. Jesus says, the one who has been washed, the one who has been baptized, he doesn't need to be washed again, but only to wash his feet. Because, yes, we do get our feet dirty as we go along this life. But we don't need to, I mean, if, if the relationship was not broken, you don't need to get married again. Are you married? Yes. Married. Put your hand up. Okay. Confess, okay? Are you married? Good. Have you fought with your spouse? Come on, don't be such liars. We're in church. You cannot lie. <laughs> Have you fought with your spouse? Did you go to the courts again to get married after you fought? No. Why not? Because you're still married. Yes, one, we are married and we have disagreements and we fight. But then guess what? Yes, we are angry, but we're not, a, we're not done with the relationship. We want to stay married. We are mad at the moment. We have a bad moment right now, but this relationship is not over. And it's the very same thing with baptism. Sometimes people feel, oh, I had a fall. Oh, I made a mistake. I need to rush again. And You are married to Christ. And he is faithful to you. Many times we're not faithful to him, but he is faithful to us. And if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to 
cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If the relationship is not broken, if you are decided to stay in your walk, go back to the Lord. He will receive you. Go back to the Lord. But a person shouldn't be baptized until he is certain he will never sleep and sit again, should he? Well, that's exactly what we have been talking about. John chapter 3 and verse 5 says, Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Let me ask you another question. How many of you were born walking? As soon as you came out of the oven, you were walking and running around. Did you? No. Did you thought, okay, I will never give my first step until I'm sure I can run? Did you? No. And if you are a parent and you saw those wobbly first steps and then your son or your daughter fell, how did you feel? When you saw those first steps, how did you feel? You got your belt out and you, why did you fail? No. That's not what a parent does. But many times we think of God in those ways. We think that, oh, we're learning to walk and we fall and he is so mad because we fell. No, he is so happy that we took some steps. He is so happy that we have been born, that we are walking in faith, that we fall, we get up. You remember the message that Brother Sebastian was sharing with us from the book of Proverbs? The righteous man may fall seven times, but he gets up. So don't worry that you will fall. Worry that you keep walking. But baptism is the beginning of life. If you are not born, you will never walk. If you are not born, you will never grow. Baptism is the beginning of the road, not the end of the road. So this is the first step. If you have never taken the biblical step of baptism, going down into the water, saying goodbye to your old life, coming up out of that water, and saying hello to a new life in Christ, if you have not taken that step of faith, you must take that step. Because that is the beginning. It's not the end. It's the beginning. Why is baptism an urgent matter for a converted sinner? And now, what are you waiting for? Get up. Be baptized. And wash your sins away, calling on his name. You see, the only thing that will happen as you wait, the only thing that will happen as you ponder, the only thing that will happen as you think it further is that the devil will come and fool you. And the devil will come and take away the conviction from your heart. And the devil will come and move the thought away. No, you don't need to take any of these steps. Just keep going the way you're going. You are fine. When Paul, by this time he is Saul. You remember the story, right? He saw Jesus on his journey, that he was going to kill some Christians, and Jesus appears to him, and he is blinded for three days, and he doesn't eat, and he doesn't drink, and he's just thinking that God is going to kill him. But then he sees in a vision that somebody comes to him and tells him, some brother will come, he will give you your sight back, he will tell you what to do. And when this brother comes, he says, Brother 
soul receive your sight. And the next words that Ananias says to Paul are these. What are you waiting for? Now, this is the same Paul that three days before was wanting to kill Christians. This is the same Paul that three days before was breathing murderous desires for God's children. Three days later, this, Brahman, this brother come and he tells him, what are you waiting for? God has called you. And God is delivering you. Don't wait. Don't think. Don't put it for next year, for next two years, after I do this, after I do that. What are you waiting for? Call on his name. Be baptized. Begin your life again. How long does it take to prepare for baptism? Well, that depends. Some people are ready very, very quickly. Some people are not ready um, in a bit more time. But the stories that we find in the Bible is that people are baptized very quickly. I, I told you about the story in Acts 8 about the, Philipp, the Ethiopian treasurer. I told you also about the Philippian jailer in Acts 16. <coughs> we have now the example of Saul. And there is another last example that I want to tell you now. If you go to your Bibles to Acts chapter 10, there is another story. This is a Roman Officer, he is a centurion. Now, I don't know about you and about your country, but in my country, soldiers, hmm. <laughs> Good Lord. I don't know in your country, maybe in your country is uh, ah, the honor and the stars and banners and blah, blah, blah. No, man, in my country, oh, you're a soldier. Ah, good. Goodbye. God bless you. This guy is a soldier. He's not just a low-ranking soldier. He's a centurion. He is a commander of a unit of a hundred soldiers. But he is somebody who fears God. And he is somebody who prays to God. And one day as he is praying, he has a vision. And in that vision, there is an angel telling him, you need to call for this guy, Peter. He has something to tell you. And Peter comes... And he says, okay, I came. Why, 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 why did you call me? Gentiles and Jewish people don't mingle, but why did you call me? I had a vision. And in that vision, an angel of God told me to call you. So whatever you have to tell me, tell me. The Bible says that as soon as Peter began to explain to them what Jesus did, what he had accomplished in the Holy Land and all his miracles and the things that he taught, the Holy Spirit fell on these people. And as the Spirit fell on these people, then Peter asks, wow, these people had already been baptized with the Holy Spirit, so how come, is there anything to stand in the way of them being baptized? And so immediately they are baptized. And by the way, this uh, story in the Bible also shows us that, yes, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is very important. But even after people have been baptized with the Holy Spirit, they still need to obey God and go under the ordinance of baptism. Jesus says, the one who is not born of water and spirit will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So these people were baptized very, very quickly. How does God feel about the baptism of a converted person? We can see how he felt about Jesus. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 17 says, And a voice from heaven said, Can we read it together? 
One, two, three. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. When you take the step of baptism, you can have the assurance in Christ that God is happy with you. And if you have taken that step a long time ago, praise the Lord. God is happy with you. And if the Lord is calling you now to take that step of baptism, you can be sure that once that is done, he will be very pleased with you. Because he wants to have you close. He wants to have you confess his name. Can a person experience true baptism without becoming a member of God's church? That's a folly feeling. But I have encountered this myself many times in my ministry. Some people say, you know, pastor, I love the Lord, but I hate his people. Now, that's weird. Because the Bible says that the one who loves the father loves the children of the father. And, uh, you know, if you are getting married to your wife, hello, you're also getting married to her family. So whether you like them or not, and whether you like your mother-in-law or not, put it in your, your brain, this is my family now. It all comes with a package. You don't get to choose. It's a combo. It's combo size. You pick all, everything comes together. So it's the very same thing with the gospel. The Bible says that Jesus is the head of the church. How come can you be united to the head and not be united to the body? It doesn't exist. You don't see walking heads around. Everybody who gets united to Christ, he is immediately united to God's church. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 and 13, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we were given the one spirit to drink. There is no such thing, I'm going to be a Christian by myself. That is no Christianity. Because guess what? It's, it's rather easy to be a Christian by yourself. You just get up, you pray, you do your day, the evening comes, you pray again, easy. But when you are a part of God's people, guess what? There is that sister who never says hello. And there is that brother who asks you money and then never pays back. And then there is that pastor who is always preaching too long and you're bored. Because you see, God's church is a means for developing our character. We are all in this thing together. And sometimes we help each other, and in that way we grow. And sometimes we not help each other, but in that time, in that way we also grow. Because that person who is a little bit difficult, that person will help you to grow. And you are meant to help him, to help her to grow. Four things that baptism does not do. First, baptism itself will not change your heart because baptism is a symbol of a changed already heart. Baptism is not some magical thing that will change anything. Baptism is the external sign of something that already happened. Baptism does not necessarily make somebody feel better. Some people will just feel wet. Baptism does not remove temptations. We are still in the world. 
But with baptism comes the promise of the Holy Spirit for us to walk in faith. And baptism is not some magical rite that guarantees salvation. You know, during the third and fourth century, there was a lot of superstition going around. And, and even later, many, many centuries later, people would wait until they were on their deathbed to take baptism. And some of that thinking is still alive today. People wait a lot because I want to make sure that I will not sleep because once I'm baptized, okay, I'm good to go. Ooh, I'm clean. Up. I'm going up. People would wait until the last minute so that they go from the watery grave to the earthly grave. Finish. Halas. I'm going straight up. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that baptism is the beginning. It's a new birth. And after that new birth, we need to grow in Christ. And as you're growing up, you skin your knees, and you learn how to walk, and you learn how to run, and you learn how to do things. And then you multiply, and you share your faith with other people. Jesus asks you to be baptized as a symbol that your sins have been washed away. Would you like to plan for this sacred ordinance soon? I want to finish by telling you a story. And this is a very well-known story. It's, it's not a story. It's sort of a parable. There is this guy. There is a big flood. I'm sure you have heard it sometime. There is a big flood happening in his town. And he prays and he says, God will save me. And then there comes a boat sailing by. And the boat says, hey, you need to come aboard no, I'm okay. God will save me. Okay. They go. And then there is an helicopter flying by. Rescuers. And, oh, we will send you a rope. You can come up. No, it's okay. God will save me. Helicopter goes away. Some swimmers go by. They have a raft. Hey, you need to go with us. No, it's okay. God will save me. The guy drowns. So day of judgment comes, and he is standing before the throne of God. And God is looking down on him, and he's looking up, and he's so angry. I was calling for you, and you said that you would save me, and I was waiting. Oh, you were calling for me. Yeah, I was calling for you. You never came. So when I sent you that boat, didn't you see me? And when I sent you the helicopter, didn't you see me? And when I sent you the guys swimming by, didn't you see me? You see, the story is sort of silly. But there is an important lesson to learn. None of us will be lost because of our sins. Those who will be lost will be lost because they have rejected the salvation that God has sent our way. I want for that to sink into your soul. Nobody is going to be lost because of their sins. But the people who are lost will be lost because they said no to the salvation that God has provided. The Bible says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and that that Word became flesh. And that word, when he left this earth, he said, therefore, go.
and preach the gospel to all the nations, and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all things. And behold, I am going to be with you every day until the end of the world. That was the mission that Jesus left before he went back to the Father. And so here I am today proclaiming to you the good news that Jesus can give you a new life. I know that many of us have taken the step of baptism. And I praise the Lord for that. And I want to encourage you today to keep walking in the ways of the Lord. But I know also that many of us here today have not taken baptism, or maybe we took some form of baptism that is not what the Bible talks about. And if God is calling you today, today I want to invite you to make a commitment to Christ. By the way, there are some people here who are already preparing for the next baptism that is going to happen in two weeks' time. December 21st is our next baptism, but we have baptisms at church every two, three months. So I want to finish today by making a prayer for those people who are preparing for baptism, whether in two weeks' time or later on, but today you want to make a commitment to Christ, Lord, I have heard you, and I'm responding because I believe, and I want to take this step. If that is you, I want to invite you to come here to the front and I want to pray with you. I know that this is tough. This is hard. People don't like to stand, much less to come. But if you feel that the Lord is calling you and you need to take the step of baptism, please come. I want to pray with you. I want to ask for God's blessing on your heart. May the Lord bless you, brother. This is tough. This is not easy. But if God is calling you to make a commitment... The Bible says, and this is how we believe, the one who believes and is baptized, he will be saved. So if that is you and you want to accept today God's call, please come to the front. I want to pray for you. Don't be shy. If you have been baptized already, please pray because there is somebody next to you that is struggling and they need to make a decision for Christ. And I know that this is very, very hard. But I know that the Spirit of the Lord is moving here in this place. Do you believe it? I know that the Spirit of God is here with us. And there are more people who are struggling in their heart. If God is calling you to make this commitment to Him, don't hold it. Don't put it off. I'm going to wait for a couple more people because I know that you are there and you're struggling. Please come. I want to pray for you. May God bless you, brother. If God is calling you, please come. Accept the mercy of God. He says, this is the day of salvation. This is the day of God. If you listen to his voice, do not harden your hearts. There is power in the blood to save and to change. Aren't we thankful to the Lord? One last opportunity. If God is calling you, please come. One last opportunity. Do you want to tell the Lord, I want to be baptized soon? I don't know if it's going to be in two weeks, in three weeks, in three months, but I want to make this commitment today. Is there anybody else who wants to make that commitment? I want to invite all of us to kneel together. 
pero seek the blessing of the Lord. Father, Father, what a blessing that you give to us that in Jesus Christ there is forgiveness for our sins. What a blessing, Lord, that you give to us in this simple ordinance of baptism. Just going into some water and coming out of that water. But there is such a power in that symbol that our old self is laid to rest. That we are buried with Christ and we participate in his death. And then because he was also raised to life, we are risen to a new life. And you give us, Lord, a new heart. You give us a new page in our lives. And you give us the power of the Holy Spirit to live with you. Father God, today I want to pray that you will bless in a very special day these brave men and women who have testified today that they want to make a covenant with you through baptism. Lord, I pray today, please write their names in the book of life. Please give them the ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit in their hearts to accompany them to the day of baptism and to be with them until the day that we see you face to face. Father, those of us who took that step, whether months ago or years ago, today we want to tell you, we want to continue walking with you, Lord. Please strengthen our faith. When we are weak, please strengthen our faith. When we fall, please, Father, pick us up and help us to keep walking. We want to see you face to face. We pray all these blessings in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.